listening to Kingdom Authority with your host, Dancia J. Morris, on Kingdom Empower Incorporated. We're here to educate, motivate, and elevate your mind, body, and spirit. If you have questions or comments, or just want to talk to your host, you can call in at 646-668-2413, or listen in online at landministries.com. And now, here's your host, Dancia J. Morris. Well, hello, hello, everyone. I'm so happy that you're here on the KAB session today. It is going to be epic, I'm telling you. I am your host, Reverend Dancia Jones Morris. I'm excited to be here on tonight, and I hope you are too. Listen, we have an awesome, awesome broadcast for you tonight, and you really don't want to miss this woman's testimony and what she has to say about infertility. It doesn't define us from tonight. So I really want to jump into it quick, but I want to tell tell you all tonight, I'm so grateful that you decided to take authority in your territory. Whatever that looks like, you know it's about us rising up. It's about us becoming who God has made us to be. It's about dealing with the different struggles that we have in life, the highs and the lows, the victories, and doing it well, operating in our effectiveness when it comes to the kingdom of God and when it comes to who he has made us. It's about being who God says you are and living in victory with whatever you have gone through. Let me tell you, it is all working out for our good. I believe that. I believe that today. I believe that every day. It is all working out for our good. Listen, I want you to know that the king is up to good concerning you. Woo, I feel that. My pastor always says that, and I'm telling you, the king is up to good concerning you. And so don't get it twisted. Don't lose it because whatever you're going through, God is going to see you through it. We just have to trust him. I I don't know why. I'm super excited tonight because this woman that's coming on has blessed my heart so much, and I thank God I have someone to talk to about this particular issue. So we're going to pray, and um, we're going to go right into what we're talking about on tonight. Father, we thank you, we bless you, and we praise you. Thank you, O God, that you are the creator of all things. You are our Father. You are El Shaddai. You are Elohim, and you are Jehovah. You are God, and beside you there is absolutely no other. Father, thank you that you are the way maker. Thank you that you perform miracles. Thank you, O God, that you are our rock, our shield, our strong tower. We can depend on you. We can run to you. We can hide in your pavilion. You see us, God, for who we are, yet you still love us. You are absolutely the lover of my soul. Hallelujah. And I bless your name. Thank you, O God, for creating us the way you created us, God. Now help us to operate, God, as you have intended for us to operate in the name of Jesus. I glorify you because you are Elohim, because you are the rock and our sustainer and our strength, our joy, and our peace. There is no one, absolutely no one like you. Mm -mm -mm. And so, Lord, we come this particular afternoon and evening to say thank you. We appreciate you for every single struggle, every single victory. We appreciate you for 
all of it, Lord. We may not understand it all. We may not even agree. It doesn't even matter. It's not about us. It's about your glory. So, God, let your glory be revealed during this broadcast, Father. Thank you for the relief. Thank you for the relief on today. Lord, this is such a personal um, um, personal topic for me and a personal topic for Candace Lord, and I appreciate you for allowing us this avenue because there's others, Father, who have been struggling with it in by themselves. And, Father, help us to be a dialogue we open up so that we're not struggling alone, struggling in private. Mm-mm-mm. And I pray right now that you would just word our mouth, Lord, so we say the things that you want us to say, God, and that it will pierce the ears of those to understand just the struggle, but how we overcome even through this, Lord, how this is personal, Father, yet, God, it's going to be about victory. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will just allow nothing but good to come from this, for Candace. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm telling you, when I think about that he is um, our sustainer, I am truly grateful that God chose me to be one of his children and that I chose him to be my savior and to be my, um, my father. I'm excited about that on today. So I want to read just a quick little scripture um, and And then I want to go into a couple of things. But before I do that, let me just go ahead and um, say I am excited about this this woman that's coming on on this evening um, for for this broadcast. She has been absolutely a blessing to me over the past few weeks in this talking about this particular topic. And so I want her to come on and just really tell her story. So many of you know about Hannah in the Bible in 1 Samuel. I believe it's the first chapter, 1 Samuel, the first chapter. So Hannah in the Bible um, was um, was married, and she was one of the wives. Um, and there was other, there's another wife, Panina. And she was without child, so she couldn't have a child. And so she was teased by Panina. Let me tell you something. She couldn't have children. Panina was having a slew of children. Let me tell you. First Samuel 1, you can read it and go there. And then Hannah was praying, praying. Um, she was the wife of, I believe it's Elkanah. And she was praying for a child and could not bear children. And people, Panina in particular, laughed at her. And that has been one of my scriptures, my life scripture, and having to deal with people seeing me a certain way because I have not, I was not able to carry full term on, and birth a child. And so today we have infertility. Let me tell you, it doesn't define us. And so we want to talk about that today. And so I want to bring on Miss Candace Ellerby because she has been very instrumental and has a story. I don't know if some of you all are ready for this story, but I tell you, the world needs to hear this story. And she's going to come on and share. Candace, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I sure can. I'm excited to have you, sis. (laughs) I'm glad to be here. 
Wonderful. Can you just greet our listening audience real quickly, and then we're going to jump right into this. Hello, everyone, and welcome in the spirit of the Lord, giving all honor to God who is the head of my life. I am very happy to be here. Danzia, it is an honor to be on your show and to give my testimony today. Wonderful, wonderful. And it is a testimony because um, you've been through the fire and the test on it. So just tell us just a little bit about Candace. Um, they can't possibly get the the full Candace on today because let me tell you, there this Candace, um, the world needs to know her, but not everyone is probably going to be able to take her because she has a fire that is so strong, and some people can't can't deal with the heat. Let me tell you. And so, Candace, <laughs> can you just tell us a little bit about her, about yourself? <laughs> well, let me put my disclaimer out here before I tell my testimony. I am not a doctor, people, so don't be trying to sue me after this interview. How my I done told you to go back and tell your doctor to do certain things, and you talk to your reproductive endocrinologist before you start coming to me telling me about what's happening with you. But I am a I. <laughs> I am an IT specialist. I run a test team for the VA, so I am a test manager. I have been happily married for 19 years, come this July, to a wonderful man in the uh, United States Air Force. And we have been struggling with infertility for 12 years. And this My uh, testimony today, yes, and one thing my grandmother said to me was, when you give your testimony, make sure you get something out of it too. So my goal today is not only to release everyone who's listening, but also to release myself. I want to heal with Mm. everyone who's listening. Mm. Okay. So first of all, your grandmother is a wise woman. I'm going to tell you now because that has been one of my my struggles is that I would tell my testimony to people, but I still wasn't released. Yes. And so I'm yes. glad you said that is the goal, and I'm seeking to be released by that. And over, it's a process. I know that. It is. I know that much, but I'm I appreciate her for saying that. So you tell. Yeah. You tell Grandma Mama. I said thank you. <laughs> but Grandma, <laughs> well, listen, listen here. Grandma is listening. Grandma's listening, so thank you, Grandma. Thank you, Grandma. Telling you, thank you. All right, so let's talk. Let's talk about, um, so first of all, let me just ask you, have you ever wanted to have children? No. As a young young child, okay. No. Um, My life always consisted of I wanted a husband, but I never wanted children. Uh, Everyone who knows me, I was never that, oh, I want kids and I want a name. Uh Uh-uh. I, you know, I couldn't go to the prom in high school, so I said, that's okay. I'm going to give me a husband. I'm going to have a big wedding, and that's what I did. So I never wanted children, but when I got married, um, my husband had interest in having children, and so I think he and I first, I think we kind of assumed the other one would change their mind, so we just went on about our lives for like eight years, just living, you know, living life to the fullest, traveling, spending time with family and friends. And it never occurred to me to even try until we relocated to Mississippi and I went to a doctor's appointment. 
and that's where my journey began. Oh, wow. So that's kind of similar to me because I didn't want children. Well, let me just be honest with you. I didn't think about wanting children until several years into marriage. It just wasn't the mm-hmm. it just wasn't the thing that, you know, I wanted to do. I really wanted to make sure to focus on my career and engineering and so forth and then do and music and so forth. But there comes a time in our life things like there's a switch that happens. So I wanna hear about the switch that happens when you went to that doctor's appointment. So we had just moved from Virginia to Mississippi, and we were just not in our own business, and I went to a doctor's appointment for a wellness exam. Uh, Every woman knows a wellness exam is either, you know, your pap smear, your breast exam. And she must have been going over my files because at this time I'm 33 years old. And she asked me, do you have any children? And I said, no. And she said, does your husband have any children? And I said, no. (laughs) And she said, would you like to have some? Now, let me just say this. We have to be very careful when we answer questions before seeking God. At this time, I was unemployed. Okay, I was unemployed and I was bored. So I said, yeah, why not? Like, okay, like he, he wanted children, you know, I didn't want it. We were in missing by ourselves. Okay, it couldn't hurt. So then she said, would you like to participate in our infertility program here at the base? Now, at that time, there were five bases that were participating in this infertility program. There was Keesler Air Force Base in Gulfport, Mississippi, Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas, where I was from, Andrews Air Force mm-hmm. Base in Washington, D.C., uh, Hickam Air Force Base in Hawaii. And there was another Air Force Base. I can't put my finger on it, but it was five that were participating in. They had their own infertility programs that were stood up in their hospitals. Okay. So she she asked me that I want to participate. I didn't even go home and ask my husband. I just told her, yeah, okay. And so um, – I think she referred me to the the program and like around the corner. So I went around the corner and set up an appointment. And they and anybody that goes through infer, uh, infertility, like seeing an infertility doctor, they before you start any infertility uh, program, they give you this application that seems as if it's about 15, 20 pages thick. It's almost like you're getting a top secret clearance because they – really and truly wanted to get the history of from the time you started your period up until now. Like, so you're kind of running through your life as an adolescent. You're also mm-hmm. discussing uh, your maternal and paternal genes, your husband's maternal and maternal genes. So they're getting, mm-hmm. they're trying to get a insight as to all of your history. So when I went home, I told my husband, I said, I want to, we're going to participate in this program. And he was like, okay. And we just started filling out the information. And I remember calling my mother and my grandmother, getting background information. And uh, he, he's calling his mother, and she's giving background information. I think that was the first time I realized what my blood type was. I don't think I ever knew what my blood type was. So we had to figure out what I, you know, I had to figure out what my blood type was. It was, it was really, it was mm-hmm. an interesting experience. I just thought, well, you know, I'll go in there and voila. And I had no idea at 
33 years old, it, this would be a 12-year journey. I thought, wow. okay, I'll probably be pregnant in the next couple of months. Had no idea. No idea. My goodness. So you participated in a in a a fertility there was a testing or program and this is how you found out the different things about about you. Yes. And so did your husband end up participating in any of that? He did. He did participate in okay. some it All was right. further on down gotcha. the line in the process. Okay, gotcha. So let's talk about um so that was the switch for you. Yes. So you start on this journey. You start on this journey to have to have children as a result of somebody. So let's let's so this is different for us because there's a lot of women that start off and they know they want to have children. Right, right off the back. They're like they're like right. kids and they, they know I want to have a child. And so they go through this struggle, Mm -hmm. whereas we didn't have to go through it as adolescents and Mm -mm. in our 20s because it wasn't a big deal. But there are women who've been wanting to have children. And so what would you say, before we go into the rest of your story, to that that woman, you know, um, being who we are now, what would you say to that woman? Well, I have a friend who's listening. Hey, friends, I have several of them. And we actually went to a fertility spa expose. And at the time, Mm -hmm. we didn't even know she was pregnant. I think we were going for me. (laughs) Um, We didn't even know she was pregnant at the time. And afterwards, we had a, a, a really good discussion. And she was newly married. And in society's terms, she got married late in her years, so she might have been 33 or 34, and she had gotten married to, based off of society's terms. And I asked her, when are you going to try having a baby? And we were really we're really close friends to this day. And it, I didn't mean mm-hmm. to disrespect from it. We were just having a right. conversation. And she right. got offended. And she got offended and she said, I'll have a child when God is ready for me to have a child. And I don't want nobody telling me when I should have a child. Later on, I found out that that anger came from everybody was kind of like beating her over the head about having a child. And she had just yes. got married. So yes. I told her, first of all, what I did was I apologized to her for being insensitive. But I told her the reason why I asked her was because no woman knows they cannot have a child or they are having issues with fertility until they start trying to have a child. That's so true. Because you're minding your own because you're minding your own business. And and you you know, you're right. living life to the fullest and you only live once, YOLO. And so you don't realize it's a big deal until you saying, Okay, I bought a house, I got a husband, I paid off my debt, I got my degree. Yeah, now I'm ready to I'm up in my career, now I'm ready to start a family. Then you get then you hit you're hit with these roadblocks. So That's I right. don't think mm-hmm. what I would say to women now that aren't thinking of having a child and you don't know if your mind will change later, go to your reproductive endocrinologist right now, which is an OBGYN, and just see if everything is oiled up and working correctly in your reproductive system just in case you decide 
later on you want to have a child. Just go see if everything is on the up and up with your reproductive system. So it won't be such a shock to you later on. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. I think that's good because a lot of times we don't even think about that. And we could, as even as teenagers um, and or, I mean, we shouldn't before, you know, marriage, but we have sex and then let me let me just put this out there and you um, contract an STD or STI, right. and then it impacts it impacts your reproductive system, yes. and you don't even know it. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and so it's so critical yeah. for us just to go. You may not be thinking about having children at that time. It's just it's just good to know what your body's doing. So let me just transition Absolutely. out of that because I really want to get to okay. your story. So I want you to yes. just go with your story at this point. Okay. Um, and, and just tell the people. Okay. I'm going to try to tell my 12 years and 12 minutes. So stay with me, people. I'm going to keep it real short and sweet so I can so we can open up for a discussion. So I got married in 2000 at 23 years old. We were living life, having fun, traveling, uh, bought a house. Uh, we were just living life. In 2007, keep in mind, I had been on birth control since the age of 21 to 31. Now, the reason why I was on birth control is my grandmother always had a concern for me when I was younger at 11 up until I was 20. I had irregular periods, and I had severe cramps, severe cramps. So the birth control pills kept my period regulated, and because she was always concerned that, oh, she, she may, you know, you may not be able to have children because my period was so irregular. I would go months and months without one, and I played sports. So I was on birth control to regulate my period, and I was also on birth control to um, reduce cramping. So that worked, and, and I loved it for 10 years. So at 31, when I got off the pill, my husband and I, we were, we were at that stage where if it happens, okay. If it doesn't, okay. It's going on about our business. I, I was not interested, but okay, if it happens, all right. When we moved to Mississippi in June of 2009, we had relocated, and I went for a wellness exam in that October. At that time, I was 33, and I told you all, the listeners, before that's when it was presented to me, do you want to participate in this fertility program? So I said, okay, so we did. Well, they start you, see, fertility does not start immediately with we're going to go into medication. Fertility starts off with, they start off with the very first stage and work their way up to the last stage of fertility. So the very first thing we tried was timed intercourse. For those of you who don't know what timed intercourse is, it's, it's the natural thing to do is monitoring your ovulation cycle until, you know, via an ultrasound and having sex around the time of ovulation. You can also track this by taking your basal temperature. So your basal temperature is taking your temperature like you would take for a fever or evaluate your cervical mucus or use ovulation strips. So that was in 2009. We did that for about six months. Nothing happened. So then they moved me around January of 2010. I had, uh, I had started working at a new company. And I was, we were living in Mississippi, and I was working in Alabama. So the doctor put me on Clomid. Now, Clomid is an oral medication that can be used to stimulate ovulation. We did that for nine months. I later found out that you're not supposed to be on Clomid that long. At the most, I think it's supposed to be three or four months. You're not supposed to be on Clomid that long. So I was on Clomid for like nine months. 
nothing happened. So then in May of 2010, I found out that my doctor was then leaving the program and moving to the program in D.C., which was at Andrews Air Force Base. So they were closing the fertility clinic down in Mississippi. But before he moved, he said, I'm going to submit you for IVF at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas. Now, when he first said it, it sounded good because I'm from San Antonio, and I figured if I participate in the program, I'd go home, stay with grandma, and get in the bed with her, and I'd just be there for the next couple of months, and then after it's over, I'll come back. But I, but I didn't kind of guesstimate that I'm working now. I have a job. So he said that it would take a long time before you get accepted into the program. Now, if, I, now if we had gotten accepted to the program, I would have to move there for like three months, and I think my husband would have to come there because he would have to give a, a, a semen analysis, and then the whole entire process would cost me about $5,000. So we were like, okay. In August of 2010, we got accepted into the program. They called me and was like, you're accepted. And I was like, whoa, that was quick. So I wasn't kind of expecting it to happen that quick. He told me it takes sometimes nine months for you to even get accepted into the program. So they called us in August of 2010 and said that we had been accepted into the IVF program. IVF is in vitro fertilization. I declined. Um, my husband wasn't too happy about me declining. But the reason why I declined is because, I, like I said, I just got a new job, and that would mean I would have to up and move for three months to San Antonio. But I also felt like all avenues were not explored before the doctor left to, left to go to Andrews to say, we want you to participate in IVF. He was leaving, so he was like, I'm just going mm-hmm. to IVF. And I was like, now I know there's something in between this process <laughs> before we mm-hmm. go straight to IVF. <laughs> And so in November of 2010, everybody that's listening knows I am a chronological listener. I, I keep dates in my head. So in November of 2010, I made a doctor's appointment at the Air Force Base in Kiso where we were uh, stationed, and I wanted a referral for a new fertility doctor in the private sector because they have shut their program down. So anybody that knows the military, if you can't get – the needs met on the military base, they will outsource you to a private doctor. So I went in for a referral, and it was approved. In January of 2011, we had our very first appointment with a fertility specialist in the private sector. And that nearest one was in Mobile, Alabama, which was literally 10 minutes away from my job. So that worked out for me. Um, Two weeks before my first appointment, the doctor had reviewed my medical file. He immediately recommended a hysteroscopy and a laparoscopy. So a hysteroscopy, take notes, y'all, H-Y-S-T-E-R-O-C-S-C-O-P-Y. Hysteroscopy is a procedure that allows your doctor to look inside your uterus to diagnose and treat causes of abnormal bleeding. In the same surgical procedure, he did a laparoscopy, where he suggested I get a laparoscopy, L-A-P-A-R-O-S-C-O-P-Y. It's a surgical procedure in which a fiber optic instrument is inserted through Mm. the abdominal wall 
to view the organs in the abdomen. This can be used to observe the reproductive system. This can determine if you have fibroids, cysts, mm-hmm. fallopian tube blockage, or just scar tissue. And let me just say, 70% of African-American women from ages 18 to 50 suffer from fibroids. I had one fibroid, and I remember to this day it was seven millimeters. So it was really small, and he did. He decided not to remove it. He was like, "We're not going to remove it because it's not bothering you, and it's fine." And I only had one. I did not have any cysts, and I didn't have any um, fallopian tube blockage, so everything was good for me. So I had that surgery in February 2011, March 2011 through July 2011. I did two cycles of IUI. That's the next stage, IUI. IUI is intrauterine insemination. It is a fertility treatment that involves placing sperm inside a woman's uterus to facilitate fertilization. Now, depending on the doctor, it can run you between $300 to maybe $1,000 each treatment without insurance to cover so my insurance didn't cover – it covered medication and doctor's appointments and lab work, but it did not cover procedures. The medication for IUI runs you between $700 and $3,500. Now, we did this twice, no pregnancy. August of 2011, my husband deployed for six months. So we didn't have any fertility activity. In a way, it was frustrating, but then it was kind of a relief because I had the, the medications include injections, pills, uh, temperatures, you're tracking, you're tracking on spreadsheets, and you're following schedules. So I had like some relaxation time for six months to not have to go through that. When he returned in March, we decided to go back to the uh, doctor because he couldn't do anything unless my husband was local because we were doing IUI. He suggested, okay, TRICARE is not going to pay for any more of this, so we can't do anything further until we send your husband to a urologist to get a semen analysis. So my husband was like, okay. We went. And the results came back. He was good bill of health. He was good. He was good. I was good. We were good. So now we're like, well, what's going on? So May of 2012, we decided to do a third IUI cycle. No pregnancy. Now, at this point, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I can't take another injection. I'm just over it. So from June 12th, up until December of 2013, we didn't do anything. We just kind of like lived our lives and went on about our business. November of 2013, we moved to Arizona. So in between that time of us doing nothing, we moved. We, we PCS here. And that's where we live now. In February of 2014, when you move to another base, what they do is if you have any medical conditions, medical conditions or any procedures that, that is happening with you at the time of the move, a doctor will contact you to come in for an appointment so you can continue your treatment. So a doctor had called me and said, Ms. Ellaby, we realized that you were doing um, infertility. We're gonna, can you please make an appointment to come into the hospital? 
if you want to continue the process. Now, keep in mind, for a year, I didn't do anything. So I was like, okay, maybe, I, you know, I've had a break. Let's try again. So I went into the doctor's appointment. They then referred me to a private doctor for, um, for fertility. That was in February of 2014. And as soon as we met the doctor, he went over all of our files. Because keep in mind, all of my files came from Mobile, Alabama to, my, to the Apple space, and the Apple space forwarded my files to the new doctor. So he had a chance to look over all of my files from 2009 up until 2012. As soon as we got an appointment, he said, you should be a, a candidate for IVF. IVF is in vitro fertilization. So he said, you will be a good candidate for IVF. Now, I've been against IVF, and I'm going to tell you why. My best friend who died in October said to me, why don't you try it? And I would say, no, because they're going to spend all my money. I'm going to deplete all my savings to get something that I, I may not get a return on investment. <laughs> it's mm. expensive. Mm -hmm. So I could not imagine spending all this money on a process and a procedure and return home with nothing. But we discussed mm -hmm. it, and my husband was like, his prices look good, so we should try it. And his prices did look good. So we said, okay. Mm -hmm. So in April of 2014 through November of 2015, we participated in IVF. I did one cycle and five transfers. Now, let me, uh, let me clear something up and get everybody to uh, understand what that means. The process of fertilization is by extracting eggs retrieving sperm sample, and then manually combining an egg and sperm in a laboratory dish. Then the embryo is then transferred to the uterus. So the very first extraction I had after all my medication, so keep in mind the process takes about two or three months to get your body prepared to even do an extraction. So because remember, IVF is manipulating the reproductive system. So you're stopping ovulation, you're giving hormones to make more than one egg grow, and it's just a lot. My very first extraction was 21 eggs. At this time, I'm 38 years old. So they are shocked. They're like, really? We usually don't get that many eggs from someone your age. So I had 21 eggs. When they fertilized it with my husband's sperm, we had 18 embryos, so three were, three did not fertilize. So we ended up with 18 embryos. This process is different for each doctor in terms of financial. A cycle can run you between $10,000 to $15,000 each cycle without insurance to cover. The medication wow. can run you between five. Yeah, the medication can run you between five thousand and seven thousand. An embryo transfer. So let me let me get you to understand what an embryo transfer. Once you have the embryos and they freeze them, your cycle is over. Your IVF cycle is over. Now, every time you want to try to have a baby, they can transfer some into your uterus to see if they attach. That can run you between fifteen hundred and five thousand dollars each transfer, depending on your doctor. And most insurances don't cover that. So this is completely out of your pocket. 
Then keep in mind, you have these embryos, and they need to be stored. You can't put them in your freezer at home, people. This has to be stored at a facility that is designed at certain temperatures to keep these embryos fresh. So when they saw your children out, they won't die on you. These embryos, these storage fees can run you between $200 and $800 a year. Depending on insurance is, you know, what assistance you receive. So my insurance, you need four medications. My insurance paid for three medications, and one had to come out of my pocket. Uh, the medication that had to come out of my pocket was for Minipure, which is I needed 36 vials, and it was $100 per vial. I went on over there to Mexico and got it for half that. My doctor had a connection in Mexico. Yeah, I sure did. Went on down in Mexico with my passport. My grandmother telling me, be careful uh, going down there with the cartel. She was scared somebody was going to take my head off. And I told my husband, I said, you going to go with me? He said, I'm in the military. I can't go down there. So I have a girlfriend that I had just met at the gym. She took me down to uh, Nogales. Hey, friend, I know she's listening. We had only been friends three weeks, met at the gym doing Zumba, and she took me down to Nogales, Mexico, and I got my medication. And that ran me about $200. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So we did all that between April 2014 to November 2015. The very first transfer, I got pregnant. And it ended in an ectopic. And an ectopic is when the embryo is fertilized in the fallopian tube, and it doesn't get released to the uterus. Now, I bet you're wondering, well, you did IVF. You weren't doing anything through your fallopian tube. You went straight to the uterus. Well, when your doctor puts the embryo inside the uterus, remember, the, when the uterus spits out naturally from the fallopian, I mean, when the embryo spits out naturally from the fallopian tube, it floats in your uterus until it lands in your uterine lining. Same way when a doctor places the embryo in your uterus, it floats until it lands. And mine landed in my fallopian tube. It floated up to my fallopian tube and landed. So by this time, I have an atopic, and we're pretty distraught. And so it was at the very tip of my fallopian tube. So, you know, we're asking my doctor, well, can you take a tweezer and flick it off and make it land in the uterine line? And he's like, no. Right, right. Yeah. Once the embryo attaches, it attaches and that's where it grows. Like, there's no disconnecting it and putting it somewhere else. Wherever it lands, that's where it grows. So, had procedure done the day before Mother's Day. In April, I mean, in May of 2014, the day before Mother's Day, I had to get a procedure done to remove my fallopian tube. So in my case, they usually remove a fallopian tube if it bursts. Most people who get in the topic, they usually sometimes don't even know they're pregnant. And next thing you know, they have this huge abdominal pain. They go to the doctor, sometimes find out, oh, they think it's appendicitis, then they find out, no, you had an atopic, it bursts. If we don't get you an emergency surgery, you'll bleed into your stomach and die. They usually remove the fallopian tube. In my case, because when you're doing IVF, they follow you every step of the way in doctor's appointments, meaning you go like every two days you're at a doctor's appointment. 
they caught it in time before it burst. So when I went for my procedure um, the next morning, we found out that Friday it was a topic they put me in for Saturday morning for the surgery. He just snipped the, my fallopian tube and sewed it closed. He, he did a closure. So I have both fallopian tubes, but one is closed and one is open. So the one is closed gets no action because nothing can get through. But I do have both my my both my ovaries are active, and I have one fallopian tube that's open. So from January of 2016 to November, well, let me let me back up. I'm sorry. That was the first. The second time we did a transfer, well, remember that, remember I was telling you guys in Mobile, they found a small fibroid, seven millimeters, and the doctor wouldn't remove it. What this doctor decided was since I went in there and did that topic, it seemed like the baby was landing right there on, like it bumped into your fibroid and went into your floping tube. So he wanted to remove it. So I had to heal from that surgery, and then July 1st of 2014, we went back in for a surgery to remove the, flop, uh, remove the um, fibroids. Since then, fibroids have not grown back. I still don't suffer from cysts, and I don't have a blockage on my right fallopian tube, so everything is still working good. My ovaries are still producing eggs. Round two. So I did a second transfer. I want to say uh, October of 2014, no pregnancy. Did a third transfer in December of 2014, no pregnancy. January of 2015, my husband deploys again for another six months. Keep in mind, I still have embryos, so I don't need him here to do a, to do a IVF transfer because we already have the embryos. So we we discussed it while he was deployed, and I did a transfer in. March of 2015, I got pregnant. Now, I was excited. Got pregnant. Six weeks in, no heartbeat. So I was scheduled to do a DNC that Monday. Keep in mind, he's deployed, so I have a friend that's going to take me to get my DNC on Tuesday. And the process of, you know, before the DNC happens, you're going on about your business. I go to my hair appointment, I run to the mall, trying to take my mind off of it, and a gush of blood just releases from, from me in Dillard. And I'm like, oh, boy, you better get home. So I get home, and I'm bleeding profusely. So now I'm afraid I'm going to end up like the cat lady sitting in my house, buying myself bleeding all over the place, and I'm going to die. It's oh, so much blood, wow. I, I think I'm hemorrhaging. Mm. So I called 911, and I tell them, y'all better get over here because I'm not going to die here by myself. Y'all get here. So they came and went to the hospital, and she was like, oh, you expelled it off, but you still have a little bit of tissue left. So when you go back to your doctor, they're probably going to do a DNC. And they did. I got a DNC um, literally a week before my husband returned home from, it, from deployment. So I found I was pregnant in March. And I miscarried in May, and he returned the week before Mother's Day again, and I had already had the DNC. The last transfer was December of 2015, and I'm sorry, November of 2015, and nothing, no pregnancy. So in these five trans transfers, I only got pregnant twice. 
One was ectopic, the other one was a miscarriage. The other three times, didn't the embryo didn't attach. Wow. So by this time, January of 2016 through November of 2016, in my mind, I'm out of money. I'm out of options. I'm 39 at this time, I think. I'm 39, and I'm just like, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm 40. I'm 40 at this time. So I'm out of money. I'm out of options. What are we going to do? So now it's like, okay, it's just me, Dwayne, and the Lord. Because I'm not spending any more money on any more procedures. Like, it's, we're just done. So from 2016 to November of 20, from January 2016 to November 2016, I we decided to go back to Times Intercourse. But at this time, things have changed since 2009 when we did Times Intercourse. This time, we're using technology. So we're using the Clear Blue Easy Fertility Monitor. So this liberal easy fertility monitor runs you about two hundred dollars for the monitor and thirty five dollars on Amazon for the sticks for the refills. So this monitor basically tracks your tracks your LSG levels, LSH I think LSH levels I'm sorry LSH levels and it tracks you to let you know you're you're um, high in ovulation and you're peaking like you're getting ready to ovulate. So we tracked our ovulation for an entire year. Nothing, nothing. So now at this time, I'm destroyed. I'm like, this is too much. So my friend, remember I said we went to the fertility spa. We actually went in October of 2016, and I ran into a new fertility doctor who had just relocated here from Texas. And she was young and innovative, and she seemed really smart, and she just was talking about all this technology. So I said, friend, I'm going to try her. And my friend was like, you should. So made an appointment at the fertility spa. Called my husband on the way home and said, I found another doctor. We're going to do it again. He said, okay. He always down for the cause. So he said, okay. By the time I got home, I had changed my mind. I was like, I can't do it. I just can't do this anymore. Like, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't have no money. I can't mm-hmm. do it. And mm-hmm. I canceled my appointment, and when I canceled my appointment, you know, November t- came around, and I said, well, maybe I should just try it anyway. So we contacted her office and put my appointment back on the line, on, on the schedule. In the meantime, remember you all, I was tracking my own ovulation. I gave it to another friend, and I said, here, you take it, because she was wanting to have another baby. So I said, you take it. She was like, you don't want it. I said, listen, I've been using it all year, and it's not helping. So you take it, and you use it. Maybe it'll help you. In the meantime, I went to the doctor, and she remembers she received all my files from the previous IVF doctor I went to from 2015. So she's reading over my files, and she says, I want to run tests on you and your husband. So we said, okay. So she took 21 vials of blood from me and 16 from him. She took 16 vials from him and 21 from me to run tests. Now, let me tell you what, I don't know all the tests she ran, but let me tell you some of the tests she ran. She was checking for thyroid disease, abnormal blood type. 
she also checked everyone to see if there was a semen allergy, meaning was I allergic to my husband's semen. She checked for a rare blood type because studies have shown that blood type O have a hard time of conceiving. She did a clotting disorder. She checked for alkaline levels, meaning the foods that you're eating, is it too high in alkaline or if you're not getting enough alkaline. She checked for genetic disorder. She also checks for vaccines. She tests for testosterone and estrogen levels. And she also tests for, F she tests for FSH, LH, and prolactin levels. That's usually dealing with the sperm. Everything came back good. He was good. I was good. So we saw the look on her face. She's looking bewildered right now. She's looking like you all are a side project. I don't know what's going on. Everything is fine. The only thing she said I needed, she said, I noticed that your smallpox levels are low. When's the last time you had a chickenpox shot? I told her, I'm not sure. Uh, probably before I went to college in 1996. I don't know. That was my last full physical with, with vaccinations. I don't know. So she said, your smallpox levels are low. You need to get, if we're going to do IVF again, if you're considering IVF again, you want your smallpox levels to be at a, at a normal range because you don't want to be exposed to anyone who has chickenpox and you're carrying a baby. So I said, okay. Well, in January of 2017, well, let me just make it that Christmas, my husband and, and our families decided we're going to participate in the Daniel Fast. Now, the reason why my husband and I decided to do the Daniel Fast is because we wanted an answer from God on how we should move forward. I really wasn't feeling doing IVF again because I think now I'm looking at the financial state of like I like if I pay one more dime and don't get a baby, it's gonna be fine in the city. Like it's gonna be a problem. My husband's looking more so as I think we should try someone different. So we all decided to do the Daniel fast. For those of you who are not familiar with the Daniel fast, you can read about it in Daniel's one and twelve and Daniel's Daniel's chapter 10, 2 through 3. The Daniel's fast is based upon the prophet Daniel's dietary spiritual experiences as recorded in the, in the book of Daniel in the Bible. It is a partial fast that focuses very heavily on vegetables and other healthy whole foods, but leaves out any animal sources of protein. Many users of this biblical-based fasting method follow it for 21 consecutive days. So that's what we did. We decided to do your Daniel fast. So if you read Daniel 1 and 12, it says, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Daniel stated in chapter 10, 2 through 3, in those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So we were over here suffering for three weeks, eating water, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, nuts, and seeds for 21 days. Oh, wow. And every time I would get, yeah, and every time I would get angry because I wanted that Dr. Pepper, my husband would say, Candace, go in there and go in the prayer. Go pray. Go pray. And I would go pray. Now, this is interesting because, you know, 
it takes 21 days to uh, start a habit. Right. By the third week, by the third week, I was pretty cool with the fast. Now, granted, I still wanted my meat, but I was cool with eliminating dairy and eggs and uh, refined sugar. I was I was getting better at it. So January of 2017, in the midst of us fasting and praying, we decided to try IVF again with the new fertility doctor that I had met in December that ran all the tests. February 2017, she did a test on me called the HCG test. What she did was she used a camera that went into my cervix and took pictures inside my uterus, my fallopian tubes, my ovaries, because she took pictures, and it took about 30 seconds. It was mm-hmm. very painful because you're, 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 she said, you coughed. And when I coughed, the service opened up and I thought I was dizzy. I got dizzy for a minute. So I was like, oh, my goodness. So she's taking pictures. She's taking pictures. And then it's over after like 30 seconds. They give you some motion for cramping and you go on. So she gives us the results back about a week later and says, you look good. Everything is fine and you look good. Now, at this time, I'm 41 years old. So I'm like, okay. In March of 2017, I remember, because what happened in February, we decided to schedule my IVF for April of 2017. So in March, I'm at my desk at work, and I realized, oh, snap, I have, I forgot to get my varicella shot. Because if I get pregnant, I don't want to be, I don't want to be next to somebody's child with chicken pox. So I called the base and said, I really need to get in for a chicken pox shot. He was like, do you have your referral for your prescription? I do. It was sitting in my car. He was like, well, you can come on up here today. Listen, very carefully when I when I give this testimony, people. I went up there, and the first thing the man asked me was, are you pregnant? And I said, no, I'm never pregnant. See, <laughs> sometimes your attitude can get you in trouble. I'm thinking, no, not me. Mm-mm. It never happens for me. So I said, no, I'm going to do IVF in April. I just need to get this shot so I won't get chicken pox while I'm pregnant. Mm. So he said, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. Five minutes later, gave me the shot, gave me a Band-Aid, I left. I kept spotting. So I called my doctor and said, listen, you gave me Provera last week. Now, Provera is a medication that jumpstarts your period. And, my, and I told her, and my period hasn't come on. And I'm spotting. It's almost like it wants to come on, but it, does, it, it, it just won't. And my breasts are killing me, so I know my period's coming on because that's one of my side effects since I was 11 years old. I have soreness of the chest before my period. So she said, well, come on up here so we can look at your endometrial lining and see how thick it is. You may have already had a period, and we can just move forward. Now, remember, folks, I had this varicella shot on March 17th of 2017. My appointment was March 15th. So I went up there, and I'm laying on the table, and she says, you're pregnant. I said, who's pregnant? She said, you. I said, by who? She said, I hope your husband. And we burst into laughter because I was in such shock. I was like, are you, are you sure? She said, yes, look, right here. Now, she's so 
showing me this little circle on this uh, ultrasound that I've been seeing every month for the past 11 years. I'm thinking it's an ovary. She's telling me it's a sack, and I see something in it. So I said, oh. So she says, you are six weeks and three days. I said, shut your mouth. She said, no, you shut up. And I said, you got to be kidding me. She said, no. So the other young lady is recording all this on this little machine, and she's so excited, and she started crying. And I said, you cry fucking why? Because I'm trying to register all this. And she said, I'm just so happy for you. And I'm thinking, you got, I said, I told her, I said, my husband, I don't believe this. So she, I saw this look in her eye. And she said, well, come back next week so we can look for a heartbeat. Now, I knew in my spirit there was no heartbeat there. I think because she said six weeks and three days, I think it's something should have been there. But since she didn't see it, she didn't want to alarm me. So I guess she felt, let me be hopeful and allow her to come back next week. So I just kind of brushed it off. I, I Instead of going back to work, I go to my husband's job, and I told him, I said, you won't believe it. He was like, what? I said, I'm pregnant. He said, uh-uh. I said, uh-huh. He said, by who? I said, you. And we just fell out laughing. And so he was like, for real? And I said, yes. And we hugged each other so tight because <laughs> we figured after, yes, we just couldn't believe it. And we hugged each other so tight because all these years, it happened naturally. So we went on about our business, and I had it in my mind. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to keep this one to myself. And the next day, after work, I walked the mountain. So I usually walk the mountain about twice a week. Uh, Sundays with a really, really good friend and sometimes by myself during the week. And I walked the mountain, and when I came off the mountain, I drove home, and when I got home, my husband was cooking dinner, and I told him, I don't feel so well. And he said, well, why don't you just have a seat? And um, I said, okay. But the cramp intensified like I was about to start my period. And I said, I don't feel good. And when I went to the restroom, blood just dropped out of me. So I told him, we have to go to the hospital now. So we went, and they confirmed that I was having a miscarriage. And that was March 16th, the day after. Now, interesting. Wow. Interestingly enough, I was not angry this time. Now, the first time I was hotter than fish grease. And I was mad. I told God I was mad. And my husband was like, let's pray. And I was like, no, I won't to. And he looked at me like I'm crazy because he's never lost faith. But I'm just like, I, I was mad. The second time I was mad, this time I really wasn't mad. And the reason why I don't think I was angry is because it happened naturally. So in my mind, God is going to do it again. He's going to do it again. He promised he's going to do it again. So at this point, I'm, I'm dealing with it a little bit better. From that day on, from April 2017 up until now, we have never experienced pregnancy again, and we're just kind of living our best life. We're just out here um, being hopeful and prayerful that it will happen. Every now and then, it'll creep in and say, oh, I wonder if we should try IVF again, but then I kind of brush it off. So at this point, we're just living life. I'm 43 now, and I still get a period every month. My you know, it, it's interesting because we talk about Ruth and we talk about Hannah and the Bible. Mm-hmm. But my biggest inspiration is my biggest inspiration is my mother. Mm. And my mother because 
she gave birth to my brother, the last baby, at 41. So while we're talking about these spiritual stories that are so beautiful, I have a real-life story in my life, which is my mom. And she gave birth to my brother at 41. And he's just as healthy as he wants to be. He's very healthy. And she had no complications. So I always think there is hope for me, even at 43. So Grandma asked me, have you come to terms that it may not happen? And I told her, no, I haven't. And the reason why I haven't is because I still get a period every month. So until I stop getting a period, I think it's going to happen. Now, it may not, but hey, I, I, hey, getting a period, I done ovulated somewhere. It's something's bound to happen. And that's my story. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to tell you, that is a lot for anyone to go through. And so let me ask you this. There's a few questions I actually have for you that I haven't asked before. Um, The first thing is when you – let's go back to the two injections that you had. What were your thoughts? at that time after the two injections when you didn't get that that return on your investment? Are you talking about when I was doing IVF or what I was doing IUI? I did two cycles of IUI. IUI. So let me just, let me just say this, because I can kind of answer your question in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. I was never angry or upset about not getting pregnant. Uh, I was, my feelings were never hurt until I got pregnant the first time. Okay. Because mm-hmm. before then, I had never been pregnant. So I didn't think it could happen. I didn't right. think it was going to happen. So I had nothing to look forward to. I had nothing to compare it to. So a really good girlfriend of mine, she's actually my best friend from college. She asked me one time, mm-hmm. do you want to have a baby or do you want to be, do you want a baby or do you want to be pregnant? And I told her both because until my first IVF cycle in April of 2014 and I actually knew I could get pregnant, oh, it was on and popping from there. I was ready. I was like, oh, this can happen for me. But before then, I don't think it affected me internally or emotionally because I didn't know I could and it had never happened before. So, therefore, I had nothing to compare it to. Yeah. And I will speak on the same for me, it's both, you know, because, yeah. I, you know, I have a question, though, and I'm I'm just kind of thinking about this. Well, I've thought about it before. I'm not sure is it worse to know you can never get pregnant or to be pregnant and never be able to get pregnant again or to go full term. What are your thoughts on that? If I could do it, I have no regret on life. I've had a great 43 years. I have an amazing family. I had an amazing childhood, great cousins, uncles, aunties. My mom, my grandmother, my siblings are awesome. My husband is amazing, so I don't have any regrets. But I will tell you this, if I could do it all over again, and that lady asked me to participate in that um, fertility experiment back in 2009, I'd have told her no and went home. Because the the next 12 years consumed me. Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and financially. 
Yeah. And that's the yeah. one thing I, if I could do it all over again, I would have told her, no, I'm okay. And I'd have went home. Mm-hmm. And not in my own business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting because I never wanted to take part in any of it because I didn't know whether going through that and possibly dis- being disappointed would be even in- more hurtful for me than knowing <laughs> that I wouldn't have children or getting pregnant, you know, the time I did and not being able to carry full term. So I never wanted to do any of that. But there are women out there that are still going through that you know Absolutely. that whole process. So, how you're you're very fit and healthy. How important is health yes. and fitness when you're going through the the process of um, fertility and doing the different options? So, me personally, I live my life off the scriptures. I live my life off the word. Mm-hmm. Maintain a healthy living. It speaks about it in the Bible, and I'm going to break it down. Drink water, right. people. If you're not drinking water, drink half your body weight in ounces. If you are 200 pounds, you need to be drinking 100 ounces of water per day. We are made up mm-hmm. of 98% water. We have to replenish it. We have to replenish it. If you don't like water, because I don't either, infuse it. Put cucumbers, lemons, lime. Uh, fresh pineapple, oranges, strawberries, blueberries, infuse it to get some type of natural flavor because it's a, cause those are natural uh, fruits, I mean natural sugars. So do that to infuse your water. If you can, eliminate refined sugar and processed foods. Try your best to eliminate refined, uh, refined sugar and processed foods. Now I will tell you, I still have a weakness for a good old now later. I love now later. And I can hear my grandma now. I don't know why she keep eating them now later because she almost choked when she was five. So I don't know why she keep eating them now later. So I love a good now later and I love a good cold Dr. Pepper. But I've decided mm. January the 2nd of this year not to drink anything but water for the entire year. And that's what I, I've been doing wow. that since January 2nd. I don't drink anything but water. Um, my husband and I right now are um, doing intermittent fasting. So we're eating between 11 and 7. And then we fast for 16 hours. And you can see a change in Mm -hmm. your sleeping habits. You can see a change in weight loss. You can see a change in losing inches. You can see a change in energy. I went, it's interesting because I think I left something out. Back in 2016, we sought out another fertility doctor in Phoenix. And we drove there. He ran all these vials of blood. I think he did 20 vials of blood on me and 20 on my husband. All to come back and tell us the only thing, nothing was wrong with my husband. The only thing I was lacking was vitamin D. So, especially for African-Americans, take vitamin D, folks. Take a multivitamin. Find you a good research, research you a good multivitamin. Eat more greens, people. Kale, collards, uh, mustard greens, spinach, arugula, broccoli, cabbage, green beans, peas. Eat more greens. Eat more fiber, beans, grains. It helps with all of this is connected to your reproductive system. It's connected to how your bowels are flowing. It, con- it, it connects to how your urine is being released. When you drink the right amount of water, by the end of the day, your urine should be clear, people. It should not still be yellow. And if your urine is smelling like Amen. sugar smacks, you don't have enough water in your <laughs> system. You, your pee should not smell like Cheerios, people. And work, work out and Work out and stay active. 
getting to work. And I work out four to five days a week. My husband rocks seven miles every morning. I work out four to five days a week. You don't have to work out like a banshee like me. You don't have to work out like that. But what you can do is start walking. Just walk around your neighborhood. And do like me. If I walk around my neighborhood, I pick a friend out of my book, or I call my grandma, my sister, my mama, somebody, and I call them on the phone, and I talk to them while I walk around the neighborhood. You'll be surprised when you're having a conversation how many laps you've done. Start being more active. I'm going to relate this to the Bible because people don't mention this person often, but it is powerful to me. And it comes out of Judges. Judges 13, 2 through 4. And Manoah had a wife. We don't know her name. All we know is it's Manoah's mm. wife that was barren and had no children. And let me tell you something about my God. The Bible is the instruction to live in life before you leave this earth. And it tells you what to do to be prosperous. It's right there in the word. It tells you what to do. We just don't pay attention. That the sermon right. is off. Judges 13 and 3 says, The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, It is true that you are barren and have no children, but you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now he gave her her, his, you know, he gave her her promise. He told her up front, this is going to happen for you. But in order for this to happen to you, you got to follow my word, and you got to do what I asked you to do. And what he said for her to do in Judges 13 and 4 was now please be careful not to drink wine or strong drink and not to eat anything unclean. Now, that also goes back to Daniel's fast when he tells you how, how to eat clean. Water, vegetables, fruit, beans, nuts. I ain't telling y'all to give up y'all's chicken. I ain't telling you to do that. But try baking it for a while <laughs> instead of frying it. You know, bake it a little bit. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to have fried chicken four days off the week. You can bake that chicken a little bit. Eat just some vegetables. Now, one thing my grandma used to teach us is. Steam your vegetables rather than soaking it in all that chicken broth because when you steam it, it keeps some of the nutrients in there. That's why it stays so green. It keeps some of the nutrients in there. So try steaming your vegetables. Uh, so that, those are instructions that God is telling you if you, you know, if you want to conceive, eat clean. Cleanse your system. Eat clean. I love it. But listen, folks, this is some... Um... This is some good teaching. I don't know whether you know or not, you're teaching us today. Um, and, and women, it is so important for us to stay healthy. healthy. I didn't say, yeah, I didn't say you have to be a bodybuilder. I didn't say you have to work out four or five days. Whatever healthy is for you and you and your doctor know your body. So you, you can figure that out. There are some guidelines that you can, everything that Candace just said, there are some guidelines we need to follow, but you know your health situation. So make sure to do that and then, you know, take it up to the next notch. That's exactly what I'm, I'm, I've been trying to do for the past two or three months and doing for the past week or so. So it's important that we stay healthy. I don't know where we got on that, but I thought about that 
during the process and when you're going through all these different um, changes and preparing your body for for um, in vitro, preparing your body for it, it, it was it called I I U O I I U I intrauterine and um, insemination intro intrauterine insemination. IUI. IUI, when you're preparing, yeah, so when you're preparing your body, I can only imagine as women we're going through different things within us, so it's important that we stay healthy so the doctors have something to work with. I'm just going to say it that way. Um, I have, yes. I know we're over, um, I know we're over just a little bit, and I, because I, I want you, I want people to hear this story. So, after the one thing I had a question about, after the procedure, um, I think it was prior to somewhere around the end of 2014, did you have mm-hmm. to go back through the preparation again for the two or three months before you had in vitro? Because I would assume it takes time for your body to heal, you know, yeah, they going like to through. Use, yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. They like, they like for you, I'm sorry, they like for your body to heal. And then you don't have to go through the whole cycle, but you go through um, – little bitty uh, medication, like it's called Luprol. Luprol kind of stops you from ovulating so you can get your uterus ready to receive an embryo. Mm-hmm. So you go through, mm-hmm. uh, they, they like to give your body a break before you try again. And sometimes it takes like two, three years because you have to wait for a period. And then after the period, you go through this process. And usually when you go through this period, after you get your period, it's like 45 days later and you can try again. Mm-hmm. Wow. Candace, I'm going to tell you, this is so awesome. So what do you make all that to mean for you now, everything you've gone through? Honestly, I don't like to speak for God because only he knows. <laughs> but I just think to myself, he's telling me to wait on him. Be still. Yeah. Be still and wait on, be still and yeah. wait on me. And so that's what I've been doing since 2017 is just, uh, kind of like, and, and what I mean when I say wait on God, let's be very clear. We're not waiting on God. God already got our blessings out there. And he already ready That's to be right. Your, your name is on the, we not, you, you know, God is waiting on us to move out of our way so we can receive the blessings. So what I'm trying to focus on doing moving forward is learning to let go and let God. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to learn wow. how to let go. Yeah. I want to let go mm-hmm. and let God. And I've seen it happen in my life through the years that when I let go of something, he moves so swiftly in my life. Things shift so quickly in development for me that it scares me. So I can only imagine that when I finally get comfortable after this conversation today and let go, have mercy. I think this womb going to open up mm. real wide. So, All right. I mean, who knows? I just received it. I, I have a girlfriend that has blind faith, so I'm going to try that. I'm going to have blind faith and speak it. I'm going to speak it. So I think he wants me to just get out of his way so he can bless me. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Well, I will tell you, there is there's so much to life, um, going back to our topic, there's so much to life outside of, um, infertility defining us. And so, you know, and it's something that you said about your good friend. When she got married, then began to ask her the question, when are they looking to have children or are they looking about it? And, and so that's the mm-hmm. question that's asked of us because as women, you know, 
most of us want to have a child. Most of us want to have a family, you know, and so forth. But we have to understand that is one of the things that God put us here for. He said, be fruitful and multiply. But we have, we, I think we have limited God to just having children. And there's some things that he wants us to do in the earth to make sure that we're fruitful, mm-hmm. such as the fruit of the spirit. We have to have love, yes. meekness, joy. Yes. So there's so much yes. more to it than just this. I want to, and this just hit me, mm-hmm. I want to continue this conversation um, some, but at the end of this month. Are you open to that? Yes, I am. Okay, because there's some more we got to dive into. It. I'm getting some some messages um, in regards to going a little bit deeper into you know what what we deal with. I'm 48 now, so I'm on the. It's not out the picture because we know that Sarah <laughs> had a baby Come at on, 90. Okay, and there are women who have had children in their late 40s and 50s and 60s recorded mm-hmm. in, 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 in the world, recorded in the world. Recently at mm-hmm. 46 and 47, some, of, some people are having children. I'm talking about in the last year. So God mm-hmm. can do anything. It's about his timing. So I want to go a little bit deeper of things that we deal with. And, um, you know, from day to day, it may not be even day to day, Mm -hmm. just, you know, over time. So if you would come back, I would love for that to happen the end of this month, and we'll see what that looks like. If you all want her to come back, I I, I appreciate that because I can't wait. There's there's, something just got stirred in me. I think the release is starting to happen in me as a result of this. But something just got stirred in me to help others as I get released as well and as you get released. so is there anything else you want to share before we um, have you pray? Yes, I want to say this. Women, position yourself in a way to receive your blessing. Lord, have while I said God is wait, While mm-hmm. God is waiting on us to do what we need to do, you cannot nurture a blessing if you are not mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally and financially prepared to take care of that blessing. So you want this Lord baby to put you $21,000 in credit card debt. Now, you know what? Mm. Come on, people. While you are trying mm. to prepare for this baby, get yourself out of debt. Go back to school mm. and get an mm. education. Get a certification. Do something. Try to excel at your job and learn a new skill. Situate yourself in your life to prepare you to take care of this blessing. And that's what I that's what I want people to know. Okay, and that's gonna be our opening line for the next broadcast. Cause let me tell you, that is one of my things right there. I'm like, well, okay, you want this baby? Okay, this is me. This is Dancia. This ain't this ain't everybody <laughs> representing this. I, I want you to understand. This is Dancia. I'm thinking you want this child so bad, but what what are you doing in this area? You don't even have a job. Number one. Or you right. got a job, but you're going from one house to another. Now we know we have situations at times. Don't get me wrong. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about a lifestyle of stuff. Yeah. You, and then you want to bring that child into that life. Don't get me started. Child, child, child. Lord have mercy. But we we are, we here to uplift y'all. We ain't here to. <laughs> we here to uplift. That's it. Okay. That's it. So let's 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 pray. Let's pray. <laughs> Go ahead, sis. 
Hallelujah. Sis, you can go ahead and pray. Okay. Close your eyes and bow your heads for the Lord. Heavenly Father, I release to you the burdens that I have been carrying, burdens that you never intended for me to carry. I cast all my cares upon you, all my worries, all my fears. You have told me not to be anxious about anything, but rather to bring everything to you in prayer with thankfulness. Father, calm my restless spirit, quiet my anxious heart, fill my troubling thoughts with the assurance that you are in control. I let go of my grip upon the things I have been hanging on to. With open hands, I come to you. I trying to manipulate. I release to your authority all that I am trying to control. I release to your timing all that I have been striving to make happen. I thank you for your promise to sustain me, preserve me, and guard all that I have entrusted to your keeping. Protect my heart and mind with your peace, the peace that passes all understanding. Father, may your will be done in my life, in your time, mm, and in your yes, way. And all these blessings we ask in your name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen, amen, and amen. 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 Bless God. Candace Ellerby has been on with us on tonight, and I am I am excited about about everything that she has spoken about that will help to release you and you and you. I know you're out there and you're listening. Um, many of you many of you have sent me something in regards to this and, and, and just opening your eyes. So just the awareness of it, I'm sure, is going to change lives. Candace, I thank you so very, very, very much for coming on, so very much for helping me and being a listening ear when I struggle. And so I appreciate the sis that you are, um, and, and I appreciate God for bringing you to my life because I, no one really talks about this. And, and it's, you know, it's one of those taboo topics. It really is. And people just say, believe God, believe God. I do believe them. Yeah. And so I appreciate you, but there's a certain struggle that comes with that. And so I really appreciate you. I look forward to you being on at the end of the month, too. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And I proclaim to all the listeners, we are today, we are now free. Free. Go back to college. We yeah. free today. <laughs> I love that. We free. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, y'all heard it right here. Um, once again, infertility doesn't define us. It doesn't define us. So you have been listening to the Kingdom Authority broadcast um, in conjunction with the Kingdom Empowerment Incorporated. We are so glad that you came on. Remember, I want you to operate in and with authority in your territory. It's all about Jesus, I'm telling you. It's all about him. And he has created us to utilize our gifts and our talents, even our experiences, for his glory. So thank you again for joining Kingdom Authority. I am your host, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris. We had Candace Ellerby on, and we God bless you and have a great night. God bless you. Have a great night.